Welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Today, let's discuss education. Specifically, what should education for kids look like today? The same basic subjects from decades past are still taught in schools as the standard curriculum. Obviously, math, English, things like history, biology, chemistry, those things. But there's been a vocal push in the last few years to argue that things like coding should be a core curriculum concept which seems to make a lot of sense in a world where so much happens on computers and devices where software invades so much of our daily lives. And that's not to mention how often we see bad legal and policy decisions coming from people who don't seem to understand how computers work. So in those cases, obviously, we think that uh, having kids learn to code early would be a good thing. At the same time, I've often felt that the world would likely be a better place also if people better understood two other important subjects, which are often seen as elective subjects, and those are statistics and economics. So often I see policymakers make claims that simply aren't supported by basic economics, or I see people totally misunderstanding basic statistics, and so I can make an argument that both of those should be relevant. Meanwhile, just recently I saw an article from a journalist arguing that journalism should be a core curriculum topic, even in this age where the journalism business is going through a bit of upheaval and disruption. The idea there was that in understanding basic journalism, you get a better grasp for understanding a lot of different important topics and how to look at an entire picture and understand what's happening. Some of those arguments make sense, though a part of me wonders how much of this is just everyone assuming that the topics that they know best should be the ones that are considered mandatory for everyone else, and how much of it would really be useful for education across the board. And if we're adding these new topics, do the other ones need to go? Do we drop calculus for statistics? Do we drop chemistry for coding? Here to discuss this and related ideas once again are Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. So you guys are both programmers, so I assume that you guys say hell yes to coding in schools. Uh, tentatively, <laughs> once 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 I heard the way you put you know you put it out there, actually, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'll get into it later with Dennis. What about you? I mean, I think I think what I what I like about programming as something to teach is that I think I'm less of a programmer and more of what I would call a problem solver. Okay. Right. And I think that the ability to process like a challenge or the, the problem and figure out a solution and come up with, you know, come up with a, come up with a solution for it, given the tools that you currently have, that's what to me is at the very core of programming. And, and me, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I do program. I, I rarely call myself a programmer or developer. I, I'm an engineer, right? So I, I solve um, problems and I figure things out. And I think that is, to me, what education should be empowering our and, youth but, with. So right? does so so are you arguing instead of instead of teaching coding, teaching, teaching general problem solving? Yeah, teaching like analytical thinking and problem solving. Um, and 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 I do wonder, you know, if the educational system in general, instead of teaching this is how you do this certain math problem or this is how you do programming, um, instead teach kind of those skills to understand why you do, why you do certain things when you program, right? And that's why it's not teaching the language itself, 
but teaching the thought process behind the language, right? Which is why I think um, in college, I, I think I, the last CS course I took was actually junior year of high school. So, you know, I'm a self-taught programmer. And the reason I'm able to do that is because I have, you know, basically to me, figuring out how to program was, gave me the foundation upon which I could learn how to do my job today. So... So here's why I was so tentative about it. So obviously, I think programming is a very valuable skill to have. Um, but when, you, when you're talking about what people learn in high school, I, the thing I wonder about is, is aptitude and interest. Like how, how important are those things? I, I actually have a very high barrier when it comes to think, forcing everybody to learn some specific thing that's dictated from up above. You know, like I, I think there's very few things that we should force every kid to learn without exception. You know, right. um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, you know, basic math, certainly. Uh, I think reading is absolutely necessary for every single person. I mean, reading with comprehension, you know, uh, and finally writing, you know, just being able to write something and actually make an argument, uh, you know, cogently. Right. You know, just be to be lucid in your speech also, right? Like those right. things, I think those are very important. Now, when, when Dennis says things like problem solving, I, I, I think problem solving as a sort of general thing is, is very, is very useful. And, and, but, but, but I might sort of put that as a subtopic under communication. I would basically say right. being able to break big problems into smaller problems where you can articulate a step to solve right. a bigger thing. That's often what people say programming is. But unfortunately, I think when, when people talk about modern computer science curriculums, it comes with a lot of other baggage, things like, um, you know, data structures and, you right. know, but others. I, but I do think that, like, the, the fundamental, con a few of the fundamental concepts of basic programming, which you would kind of lump into a, what would you would call a core curriculum, is stuff like, you know, logic and, that the understanding of like what an if then statement is and how to use it, what a loop is. And it's like basically the way kind of that thought mm -hmm. process that goes into, you know, how to break something down and how to, how to construct a solution from it. But, um, uh, but, but I think like, okay, uh, if I'm interrupting you, sorry, Mike, but there's a lot of ways to sort of learn how to break problems up. And certainly I, I think CS 100 classes are really good at teaching uh, not just kids but the college students how to how to think rigorously about a problem problem and, and sort of break it down from sort of descriptive sentences into smaller sort of cogent size like operational pieces right and that's one way of doing it but another way I learned to do it is you know after I did my computer science degree I, I after I programmed for 10 years, I went to law school. And there's a way they teach you how to do that even in law school. Where right. You read a sort of unstructured piece of text and you sort of try to extract structured meaning or rules from it, right? And that's one way of thinking of things. And I, I think that's, for some, for some people that are, you know, not very mathematically or computer science sort of inclined the way I was, I, I, I can see them liking that sort of approach to it better. Right. And, and by... And so this is the thing where I was like, I hate like top-down dictated um, curriculum is because I feel a lot of kids didn't get very much out of high school calculus. And mm -hmm. it, it, where I went to high school in India, everybody in the math, physics, and chemistry sort of track had to take calculus. Right. And, I, and I felt like a lot of people that I would help with homework and stuff like that were not actually getting calculus and it, like specifically like integration and, you know, 
uh, differentiation. They didn't understand sort of how that corresponded with the real world. And so for them, it was just like this series of like very arcane operations that you do that don't have any meaning. And I don't think they ever did anything useful with it. It was just a kind of like torture chamber to put them through. And and some of them are actually practicing doctors now and they're really good doctors. And, you know, it, no, I really, they've been, they've, they've done really well in the medical sure. studies. They're, they're like nominated for fellowships and stuff like that. So they're like very good at what they do. Uh, they didn't need that, you know? Right. And I, so having said that, um, I, I do have some sympathy towards what, what Maznick is saying in terms of like people should understand basic s- statistics. My argument for that has nothing to do with employability, right? Mm-hmm. It has to do with right. Without statistics, it's very hard to be a good citizen of a democracy. That's the only reason I think, like, statistics specifically you need to learn, right. even if you don't have an aptitude for it. Maybe you need to be taught yeah. statistics just so you can vote well in the future, <laughs> right? That That's the only reason. Yeah. Well, though, uh, having having tutored statistics, even people who are taught statistics often don't seem to understand it. But right. Um, I still buy lottery tickets. <laughs> well, yeah. so do I sometimes. But, <laughs> but I understand what it is. So. Right. I understand that I'm throwing away money. But, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of teaching problem solving, but I don't know, like, how do you, how do you, how do you teach problem solving? I don't know that that is a, a skill that can be taught. As I, I, I would hope so. I mean, I think one of, one of the skills it seems like our educational system right now kind of likes to try and teach and instill into our children is, the ability to listen to instructions and sit still for, yeah. right, like a number of hours, which I think in the old, I would say not old, okay, maybe not old, but <laughs> in in a world in which our prime, you know, our a big chunk of our population is doing desk jobs or whatnot, or basically being told what to do, that's a great thing to teach your like teach everyone is to how to listen to instruction, how to how to follow them, and how to be a middle manager, right? But I think that you know if we are now having more people who are doing jobs in which you have to figure things out and problem solve. I think it's important to create more people that have this as a so skill. So how do you, I mean, it's, this is an interesting yeah. alleyway. So but how, how do you teach that? I mean, I don't, that's, that's, that's a good question. I mean, <laughs> the way our educational system is set up right now, I don't know how long it's been the way it's been, right? I think that... For a long time. For a long time. And industrialization, I think, pretty much. Probably, right, industrialization. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a parent, but from my friends that are parents and they're investigating various school options right now, there are definitely challenges in, you know, there, there are companies working on new ways to teach our children. And, sure. Um, you know, in terms of like the, the concept of the open school where... All the kids learn on their di- on you know not on a on a set schedule but on their own pace. For example, um, mixing age groups, right? Like the cl- the whole concept of a grade is a relatively new one. Like if you think about in the history of sure. mankind, right? Like separating children in, by age group is actually a, a pretty modern concept. Um, and I would say in the same way, like teaching, you know, teaching what we currently teach is a very new thing. And I think that what I see in the education world is it's very difficult to innovate because it's actually a very slow if you think about if you think of it as a product cycle um if a person is a product cycle and it takes you know a whole lifetime to figure out if we did a good job or not like how do we that that to me is interesting is how do we figure out if certain educational changes and systems of how how to teach people how do we quickly get feedback that it's actually a good thing or a bad thing Right. right so it's like is teaching coding good I think it is. This is my hypothesis. But how do we actually te- how do we how do we test this? So and, 
that's me is an, is what we need to figure without out. waiting a generation without or waiting two, a generation or, yeah like changing right. a, a sort of top down managed education system is kind of like bringing change to Microsoft except harder <laughs> except harder right like it sure it's much harder it's it, been established much longer right. yeah it's much harder and there's a lot more sort of political power with sort of the stasis in and uh, you know so but that's one thing but, but that's the, because it's slow right like this it's a generational thing you make a change and you notice 60 years later like oh that was good or that was bad it, it doesn't right? ha- well it doesn't have to be that way i mean there's people right. that actually if you look at the private tutorial system in, in mm-hmm. a place like india where people are doing coaching for examinations right. for the big examinations they have the iit examinations right. and stuff like that and i think in korea they have a similar sort of life defining moment where they take an exam right i mean even that whole thing the they, concept of testing is a whole other question right no, no no so so if you take the testing as sort of like this fixed thing the ways you prepare for the test there's this huge competition sure. amongst like uh, preparatory sort of agencies. It's kind of like our Kaplan or right. whatever here, except on, right. on steroids, right? Like it's, it's just crazy. Kids are there right. constantly. But anyways, my point actually was it was, it was not to go into that sort of okay. wormhole. Because teaching to a test is a whole other Yeah, exactly. Concept, yeah. So here's the thing. Yeah. In those societies, the test is the goal and to be sorted after the test into sort of your career path. Sure. Right. There's a real question in the, in the United States because we don't have a test like that. That everybody just gets behind. Well, well the, the SAT to some extent, but there's yeah. a lot of different avenues in life if you don't do well I mean, in the SATs here, right? I mean, you, you can do other stuff. I know plenty of people who didn't do great in the SATs, and and you know they. It's not like that's the end of the world the way right. it is if you fail your engineering exam in, in or India. entrance exam in India. So here's the thing: in the United States, when people make arguments about education. I don't just mean high school education, even college education, this comes up. The reason people sometimes can't communicate with each other is because fundamentally there's this question that's unresolved and people don't really tackle it head on, which is what is the point of education? And for Mm -hmm. me, as sort of a kid of immigrants, uh, where it was always schooled into me, you invest in education so you can get something out of it in terms of employment uh, or tangible skills. Uh, For me, it's definitely has to do with you know, it's an investment in my human capital, right? Right. But for a lot of people, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with sort of enrichment and becoming sort of, I don't know if the term is wiser or just, I don't know what the term is, but like listening and being exposed to a lot of art and a lot of literature and it doesn't make you any better of an employee for anyone. You're not useful to anyone externally at all in terms of like making things more efficiently, <laughs> right? But but you so yourself are sort of wiser to, and like to, more poetic or something to, like to that, right? To judge use. But is that really true, right? I mean, how often do you think that that people are, are going to school for the sake of... Uh, you know, I, I mean, in Ameri- a lot of American schooling strikes me as that, right? Like when you look at the kind of majors people get, like I'm going to get in trouble for this, but <laughs> but basically, like, like, yeah. look, they, like it's basically like, look, like we're going to study this very obscure thing, right? Yeah. And uh, part of it is maybe by studying this obscure thing, our mind will expand. I think that's that's like one of the okay. one of the theories, right? Like nobody okay. ever has really tested this, but that's what happens. I I will study this difficult obscure subject, okay. my mind will expand, and then- I'll become a smarter person, and by doing that mind expanding thing i'm actually i don't think anyone's ever proven that that's actually works in fact like places like yc combinator and stuff that take high school kids directly out of high school have right. shown that 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 people that are like super smart coming right out of high school are can sometimes excel without all that mind expanding stuff right and so the question is are the high grade getting individuals in these mind expanding majors 
already smart enough to do the work that they would have done at these consulting companies, et cetera, without that education? Is it just, that's just like sort of an indicator that you're smart enough to do the work and then they're going to train you on the job anyways. So all that mind expanding Russian literature, whatever you read was probably, what did it actually do for you? So you, so right? you, think, you think schooling is a, like college is a vetting mechanism? Though? It's, I think, I think in, in a lot of, for a lot of majors, it's a vetting mechanism. For other okay. majors, they definitely teach you some like, very concrete things. If you're a nuclear engineer, it's, they're not just vetting you. You're learning how to <laughs> do actual stuff so the nuclear plant doesn't blow up. Yeah. And I think if you're going for nursing, you're learning very specific skills. That's vo- voca- right, that's, right, but that's vocational yeah, that's, education. And to some extent, you know, like com- I, I went, was a computer science major. I think to some extent, a lot of the stuff we learn um, is sort of pitched as... Uh, theoretical computer science, but I'm, you're, I'm definitely picking up some vocational skills there. Not directly, but by working on sort of computer science projects, I'm learning how to program, I'm learning how to do debugging, right. I'm doing all these things. And those, I think that's, that is the concrete set of skills that a, 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 a place that hires me as a programmer is glad that I right. got. From but but so, like so let's take it a step back, right? So, th- so now you're talking about at the college level, which is, you know, whether it's mind expanding or whether it's vocational, right. the, the, the issue that we're sort of trying to look at here is more about sort of core curriculum stuff, the stuff that everyone should learn in, you know, at sort of a junior high and high school level right. in terms of preparing them to go on to do other stuff. So the question here really is not, you know, whether or not people are going through these programs for mind expansion or vocation, but, you know, if they, no matter what they go into, will it it's be helpful fun. to them to have had that that framework of learning how to program as a 10th grader or something like that. I mean, as a member of society, basically, is what what we're saying. So, like, the ability to drive a car, look at a stop sign, and know when to stop, that's a very important (laughs) skill for everyone in in our American modern society to have, right? And what what I think I'm saying is that the skill as a a problem-solving or, I mean, even call it, you know, use of a computer and understanding how computers work is increasingly becoming a life skill that the majority of the population should have, right? So, you know, after I talked about all this practical stuff or whatever, it's it, it's going to sound really strange to you when I say, like, I don't know if, if, if high school is the right place to start coding. Maybe it is. I think, I think the kids that haven't... Yeah. I mean, you know, Mike has a kid, how, like, you're, it, he's, and he's playing with these games and that are essentially are teaching him logic puzzles. And I'm right. fascinated That's by seeing exactly children my that are playing there. with these things. And so here's why what is I, high school not, not, not early enough? We're talking about things that you force kids to do. Mm-hmm. And your son already has an aptitude and wants to do that stuff. <laughs> he wants to learn how to program. You don't have to force him. It's like we're talking about core curriculum here, right? right. If there's a kid who doesn't like that and doesn't want to play with toys like that, I'm not sure if it makes sense to push him to do that. Right. And uh, being a programmer, you know, I'm definitely going to push my daughter to like learn how to program. But if she starts getting frustrated and stuff like that, I don't know if I'm going to be enough of a daddy to push her to keep doing that because I think it's a skill that's essential. Because I think I think to some extent, like everyone says, hey, everyone should know this level of physics or chemistry. I'm not sure if I buy into that, you know, like like I see a lot of people push through courses that. That, but I think they should at least be exposed to it, right? Like everyone should have the opportunity to take art classes sure. when they're kids. They but, should have a, a, the opportunity to be exposed to programming concepts. Like, sure. They and what have, we're saying here is that, you know, we're, are we all in agreement with like reading and writing and like arithmetic yes, are, are yes, foundational? Um, that's why I said that's just add, Yeah, and let's just add. Right. Is it mandatory program, or optional or programming? See, that's the thing I'm asking. If it's, well, it, so, so at this point we're talking about core curriculum, so yeah, stuff core that curriculum. would be mandatory. See, yeah. I don't know about that. I, I think there's a lot of stuff. Like, like a lot of people think that, that, that 
art and music shouldn't be mandatory, right? Sure. Because because right. especially given what I just said about the college stuff, you probably think I'm a, I'm in that group. But I actually think like growing up, you know, I'm not saying spend four or five years and get a major in it, but maybe everybody needs to be exposed to it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If you have like one semester. Yeah, right. Exactly. Everyone has to do one semester of art and music just because, I mean, why do you think this country is so good at producing like video game designs and movies? And to some extent, it's kind of that story of Steve Jobs where, you know, one of the reasons the fonts were so good on the first Apple computers because he audited this one callig- calligraphy class, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, similarly, like, who knows, like how many John Ives or whatever were created just by having this one art class that sparked something. Right. And you don't see that many designers coming out of the Indian education system. There are some, but mostly because they're, you know, pushed into these very vocational kind of uh, yeah. things from very early. That so, doesn't so, happen. So, so this is so vocational, like programming that early. It's like you have time yeah, to get up later. But but I think part of the argument, though, is if you're exposed to it just a little bit in very basic concepts, right. very early on, it, it gets you thinking about you recognize sort of you know, the, the logic associated with programming. So later on in life, when you're doing something else that is unrelated to programming, but there's a potential computer-related solution to it, you sort of understand the thought process that goes into it, right? So just having that that single, you know, one-semester introduction, right. they're not, we're not saying you're going to go in, off and be a programmer. Oh, just but one will, semester. will, will you understand enough to be you know, more productive when you run into a problem that programming is a potential answer to. Right. Mm. I mean, and I think that, you know, the same thing, I think you mentioned economics and Mm -hmm. statistics before. Like, I didn't discover economics until after I graduated college. Right. And I think that, you know, I think it's fascinating. And I wish that I had had more exposure to economics because it's amazing and, and fascinating and definitely applicable to, you know, to modern life. And I think that, that's kind of what we're right. trying to build here, and that right? and that's the right. So that's the same argument I'm making about economics. I think if people yeah. understood basic economics, and again, not not to the point that they're going to go out and become economists, and they're not going to, you know, right supply demand curves. You're talking about that kind of stuff. Well, no, it's not even just just just, even just, that, yeah. just the concept of thinking through things like opportunity costs and right. trade offs. Right, these very basic concepts where when you begin How to basic recognize are those, them, really, I think I think supply common. and demand curves are the way that people think economics are currently right. taught, and, and that. And that's actually part of the problem because that's that looks horrible. it looks boring, right? Yeah. You get to those curves, and that is the way a lot of mm. you know one economics one hundred and one yeah. is kind of taught. You start talking. Do you mean about like behavioral things. economics? To some well, it's, no, no, not even behavioral economics, which is sort of psychology, right. effectively. And, and you can make an argument that maybe psychology should be a core mm. curriculum type of class right. too. But but I'm just saying, just the basic concepts that come into play. I mean, the idea of trade offs and opportunity costs as as just a starting point. Right. They come up so often in so many Such things. Such a basic concept, right? And and many people have no clue about it. Yeah. I'm going to introduce the concept of a new course. Ready? It's not economics. <laughs> it's not statistics. Whatever. It is um, common cognitive <laughs> errors. That's right. the name of the course. And sure. it has some statistics and it has some economics basic facts. It has some physical stuff. But, right? but, but how? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean it's you, just like life, life pro tips, basically. Yeah, it's, it's ex- exactly life, life pro tips. Yeah, life, yeah. life pro tips. It has a few of these things. Right. And, um, but the right. thing is here, here, okay. Now go back to when you were a 15, 16 year old mm-hmm. kid and somebody threw you into a class called Life Pro Hacks. Would you. Would that you particular be... name would be really compelling, actually. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, pro as, hack. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. As a 16-year-old, I'm not sure I would find uh, that interesting, right? I mean, because yeah. as a 16-year-old, first of all, you think you know everything, 
right? Right. I mean, I did. And so, you know. <laughs> no, but you know, you do a few of these like psychological tricks that just wow the class. Like, look, you're all going to choose this because we set it up in this way. And you, you thought you were making a free choice, but actually you you weren't really. Like those kinds of things. Maybe, maybe. I think, I think, I remember the, the, what was it, Psych 101, that huge lecture they had at Cornell. I remember she did some uh, kind of what I would term a, a college parlor trick kind of thing where they showed right. like the cognitive I can't even remember the specifics of it. It was one of those sure. things, right? You know, where they showed like, you know, people always choose this. And, and it was so and memorable for you. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> remember it, but I just remember the whole the whole auditorium going, oh, wow, like that together, you know, right. and myself included. And I'm like, you know, people love that. But I, I mean, well then I, this sort of, you know, begins to go down a different path. But you know, if part of the idea is to sort of get these things into, you know, to the point where they, they sort of become intuitive or instinctual to some extent. You're just sort of introducing enough that people can recognize these things and, and answer. Then then you're raising this whole other question of whether or not, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, teacher-student uh, relationship is the best way to drive those those kinds of things home, right? I mean, the best way to learn about mistakes is to like make those mistakes and learn mm -hmm. from them right so in in your case where you can set it up but i don't know if you can set up a whole class which is basically like i'm gonna trick you every day well you, <laughs> you know? one of the most interesting things of khan academy right that uh -huh. your friend salman khan has done i think it's really cool is there isn't necessarily classes right yeah. there's these little bite-sized concepts that you can learn independently you don't go and say i'm going to take a geometry class sure. you just say today i'm going to learn this small part of trigonometry. And I think, why should we burden ourselves in the whole education system and say we need to have an econ a, a, a class about economics? Maybe that's not it. Maybe we need to have, yeah, the kids need to know this concept. Sure. You know, let's say, what, what was the one you said? Trade-offs, uh, right? Trade-offs. And yeah. you, you have to have that check mark, and you have mm -hmm. to have this check mark. And I think if we, if we actually just think about the way they, the Khan Academy does, where it's like the lectures are these little bite-sized videos or sequences of videos that lead up to an understanding of a particular concept, and there's a small series of tests for that concept, some concepts will take a semester to, to teach, to get to. And other ones will have like 15 or 20 minutes of lecture, and then you'll get it, and you'll have a very small piece of testing, right? So maybe that's the granularity then we need to break up this education system. So, so, right? so, so maybe, so part of the argument you're making is maybe the whole concept of semester or year or in, entire in packages of knowledge is, subject is flawed. Is, right. Let's do small right. things, right? So like, it should all come in five minute YouTube clips. Yeah, or, or 15 or 20, whatever <laughs> Six it is. Six second Vine clips. Uh, you're making fun of me, Dennis, but I'm actually kind of serious about that, right? And that's about the, the attention span of kids too, right? So that's about their attention my, span. It's my attention span right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, now suddenly I'm feeling old. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that, that's not too crazy, right? Like we could basically put together an entire curriculum based and measure it and have check sure. marks and basically look like say hey you know like this is me and this is the entire corpus of my current knowledge and that's kind of i mean learning doesn't but, ever stop right and you're right and it doesn't necessarily have to be organized into a semester right so that's interesting yeah i, I mean part of the challenge there is like there are certain concepts that i think you know can you break down every concept into something that is so sort of short and simple or are there some concepts and, and maybe it's true maybe you can do that or are there certain concepts that you really need sort of an extended period of time to, to, sure. to get? Take that extended period of time with those concepts. Well, let's right. not mm -hmm. try to shoehorn everything into a semester. Right? We just need BuzzFeed to figure out how to teach us <laughs> five-minute clips of useful things. Like, I actually, again, you're making fun of me. But I can you believe <laughs> this opportunity cost? <laughs> no, the right thing. The, the opportunity cost in cat gifs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, explained that, by, by this movie footage. <laughs>
you won't believe how bad his decision that he thought was good really <laughs> was. That's I mean, how I, you write the headline. This this feels like something that the Onion could definitely tackle, like secretly teaching everyone life lessons through entertaining bite-sized content. Well, that's what Vox and 538 have basically yeah, done that, for right, America. That, that, is, that gets into the whole concept of explainer journalism. But that's but explainer journalism just feels so... Reductive. And condescending. You condescending. Know? You're reading into that. I, I never thought it was condescending. I, I do think there's a there's an element of like too much reductionism where it's kind of sure. like everything's about the numbers. It's, you know, it's not really Yeah, always. but I mean, you know, 538 might be like that, but Vox isn't so much about... Mm. doesn't get so much into the numbers necessarily but even then i mean i don't know i mean how much of that like how many people look at at things like that as actual education i mean i guess it is but i mean i think yeah. of of you know education is separate from you know like from journalism journalism yeah. yeah i think i've learned more computer science from um reading um, oh, actually, I should give context to this. I never took a database class. I graduated with a computer mm-hmm. science degree, and I never took a database class. In, in you college. sure you want to advertise that? Yeah. Well, so you know, <laughs> but I feel like I've learned that I, you know, there's various different kinds of uh, database classes you can take. I for took free. a database class. You did? Yeah. Great. Um, how how do you do database class without a programming class? I took a database class in uh, in business school, an MBA, huh. uh, Management Information Systems six hundred one. Was it called Microsoft Excel? No, it was okay. it was, and it was not about. Well, oh, so that's just that's more about like how to administer and put the data in. That yeah, kind but of no, thing? but it was it literally. I mean, it taught me SQL, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I, I learned yeah. SQL from from yeah, that's useful. Yeah. yeah, so and that's a great way to that's a great yeah. skill. I think that like yeah. learning how to do SQL and understanding the concepts of yeah, absolutely. how to yeah, place as, relational as, databases. As, right, as an, yeah. and, and even, you know, I mean I learned about the history of relational databases and and this was, you right. know, as a as a management student, which yeah, I imagine thought was that. Exactly so you got great. that piece of knowledge and I never did. But <laughs> anyway, so I had to learn it on my own, right? And there's different right. courses and stuff like that. And I always felt like the courses uh, never taught me as much as just reading two or yeah. three months worth of just hacker news posts about various sure. kinds of databases well, and GitHub and, code and, repositories. I mean, that's, that's and, I when, think, and then doing, right? Like right. Actually, yeah, actually, actually doing stuff. And, and that, things is, what, is how you learn. Yeah. And that, so that actually you know, brings me up to, to I guess, what will be my final point, and then I'll, I'll hand it off to you guys for final points. But, um, and, and this might actually be a subject for a future podcast. But you know, one of the things, going back to this idea of statistics and learning statistics, right? I mean, I had taken so many statistics classes, like probably six or seven statistics classes by the time I became a tutor and then a, a teacher for for um, for statistics class at college. And the thing that I discovered was even though, and you know, I knew all these sort of high-level stats stuff, I didn't understand it. I didn't really understand it until I was teaching it because then students would ask questions and I would actually really have to understand mm-hmm, it because yeah. I couldn't just repeat back like use this formula or it's in this chapter. I really had to understand it and and I remember there was sort of the, you know, the flip side seeing the frustration when I would try and under, you know, explain it to to a level that people could understand mm-hmm. it where I wouldn't follow exactly the way the book did it. But it it made me think about education and the way that we learn and the fact that I didn't really understand these things from taking the classes mm-hmm. until I was teaching and I was put in a position where I had to really understand. And that's the same thing you're saying. When you actually program, that's when you learn, right? right? So right. when you have a real challenge in front of you, that's when you learn. But I did have 
the underlying framework so that then suddenly when things start to fall into place, I'm like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why this formula works mm -hmm. or what regression means and, you know, all those different things and why it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I still think it's important to have that framework. But then I think the next thing, and this is something, as I said, maybe it's a subject for another podcast, to really get people to learn and understand and, and you know, internalize it. Right setting up systems that actually make them put it into practice for real, not just mm. take a test and answer these questions. I, I was a teaching assistant for this computer science course that was called uh, Computer Architecture. It was like a 300-level course, and I did that for like three semesters. And when I did it, I, 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 what you said is exactly right. When you, once you teach a class for a few semesters, uh, uh, that really sort of cements your understanding. And I really think, you know, why do we wait for someone to complete a course to do that? Maybe yeah. kids should be forced to teach different well, parts that's, of things. Uh, yeah. even, or, or teach each other as yeah, a part exactly. of the class. Yeah, right? Or Exactly. I mean, teach each other or even, I mean, I think this is a great thing where, where potentially computers and, and software could come in. And like, what if you have to teach software to right. do something, right? And so... If the software says, explain this concept oh, back to right. Yeah. Talk. No, but how about this? We don't have to make it a software thing, right? Like if when the teacher assigns homework, she basically assigns homework. She says, Mike, uh, tomorrow you're going to teach the section of the book. And you sure. just go on Skype and you basically teach a right. bunch of kids from somewhere else. Yeah, I mean... And then, and then but at the end of a semester, you have two or 300 videos worth of explanations from different And then kids. you can take on Khan Academy. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, you can vote up and then you have the, some really good yeah. explanations yeah. by other 14-year-olds sure. or whatever, right? Yeah. All right, I think we just solved solved the education. education problem. <laughs> uh, we, we crowdfunded uh, all of Sal's videos. There we go. All right, well, uh, I think we're out of time today, but uh, another very interesting discussion. Thanks, guys, and thanks for everyone listening at home. Bye. It's been Bye. said that the first casualty of war is truth, and I'm inclined to agree. Listen, we live in an age of instant information, so isn't it strange that things have been hidden away from us? Governments think we need to gain their trust, but it's the other way around. Just take a look. Nothing tells us more than raw data does, so it's important it's all available to us. Plus, put up for debate and looked at by the public's gaze, because there's a lot more to be gained from taking off.